This is the sermon of the AFM Impact Christian Center in Madrid. For more information, contact us on www.afmimpact.org or email us on info at afmimpact.org. We'd like to hear from you. So I'm going to talk to you about today's reasons to endure uh, discouraging times. You know, when you go through a time of discouragement, you, you, you always need a reason to keep on keeping on. When you go through a difficult time, you always need a reason to keep on pushing forward, to keep on praying. Um, but but when, we, when, we, when, when we are going through a difficult time or a difficult season, we, we are always, God always reminds us sometimes of His track record in our lives in order to encourage us to keep on pressing on, to keep on pushing on. And today we are going to look at reasons, at, at just that reasons to endure discouraging times. Now, in 1999, a psychologist called Daniel Simmons, he conducted an experiment um, in which people watched a video with um, six volunteers divided into teams. One team wore black t-shirts and the other team wore white t-shirts. And um, viewers were all asked to count the number of times the white team passes the ball from one person to the other. Um, while ignoring the team that were wearing the black t-shirts. And uh, most of the volunteers counted the number of passes uh, amongst the, white, uh, the people with the white t-shirts with no problem. What most of the volunteers had, the, what, what, they did not, what they did have trouble with was noticing the person in the gorilla suit who strolled to the center of the stage, stopped to beat his chest, and then walked slowly off the set. So in other words, they were so focused on the watching how many times the other team were passing their ball back and forth that they neglected to see that there's someone in a gorilla suit that walks on stage, beating their chest, and then walks off the stage again. The experience was designed to test the limits of human awareness. And just like the people in this experience they were, we are unable to notice obvious things around us when we focus too much on what's happening in our own lives, especially when we are going through a difficult time. We neglect to see God's hand around us. We neglect to see the blessings of God in our lives. We become unthankful. We don't know what to say thankful for because we are so focused on the troubles and the hardships that we are facing and going through ourselves. And if we fix our eyes on ourselves and our possessions and um, what we are able to achieve, we will never see the greatness of God in our own lives because we are constantly comparing ourselves. But Lord, you did it for that person. Why aren't you doing it for me? Lord, look at how the, the non-believers are living. It seems like things are just going well for them. They get away with corruption and murder. And here am I doing the right thing. And yet I'm struggling to make ends meet every month. And that's what we are going to look at is, key, is reasons to endure during discouraging times. So if you have your Bibles here as per custom of this assembly, why don't you click, swipe or turn with me. To Hebrews chapter 12 verse 1. Next week on Christmas Sunday we will look at verse 2. Chapter of Hebrews chapter 1. Uh, 12 verse 1 is today and then we will look at verse 2 next week. 
I'm going to read out of the Passion Translation. Um, it's a very passionate translation, um, which I've recently started reading, and I'm actually enjoying it. Um, <laughs> it's a very, very nice translation. As for us, we have all of these great witnesses to encircle us like clouds. So we must let, we must let go of every wound that has pierced us and sin we so easily fall into. Then we will be able to run life's marathon with passion and determination for the path has been already marked out before us. May God bless his word and write it onto the tables of our hearts. Now within this verse lays the reasons for pushing on even though times are tough. And times are very discovering, discouraging. And I'm not going to give more context of that, but let's just dive right into the text. And, and I'm going to give you a couple of reasons. And the first reason is that we, are, we need to remember that we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. The first reason for you to keep on keeping on is because you are surrounded by a great cloud of of witnesses we need to understand that the author of the book of hebrews reminds us of the great cloud of witnesses that surrounds us now in the mind's eye you might think well it's it's it's, it's and, and, and if we read at hebrews um, chapter 11 he talks about the great hall of fame a hall of faith where all the the, the stalwarts of the faith has passed on and and, and he, he says these are the guys that the great cloud of witnesses that's surrounding us but we not must not make a mistake in thinking that these guys are actually sitting in heaven and watching over us because there's a belief in the world Hopefully not in the church, but in the world, that when people pass on, they turn into angels and they watch over us. Now imagine, the Bible says that, there's, that, that in, in, in heaven there's no heartbreak, there's joy, and people constantly worshiping God. Imagine how negative they would become if they keep on looking at what's happening on earth. And how people are living their lives. Imagine how negative heaven, what, what an ugly place heaven would be like. It wouldn't be about God. It would all be about what's going on on earth. And so, and so <clears throat> there's this idea which is not true. So what, 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 what the author, I'm not going to say Paul because some speculate that Paul is the author of Hebrews, but there's not surety. So I'll refer to as the author. So what the author is saying that there, there's a cloud of witnesses. He means that the cloud of witnesses cheering us on was a figure of speech. In other words, it, it includes great men and women of God who have come, uh, who has been part of Hebrews chapter 11, and, and their testimonies, which we read of in the Word of God, that is the cloud of witnesses that surround us and that encourages on. So when we read their life story, when we read what God has done in their lives, we can understand that because of that cloud of witnesses, because of what God has done for them, because of God's track record in their lives, that is enough encouragement for me to keep on keeping on because if God can do it then, He can do it now because He's the same yesterday, today and forever. That is who our God is. And so he says there's a great cloud of witnesses. We are surrounded by these testimonies as spectators watch, uh, sit in a stadium and watch the, the teams play. That is how their testimonies surround us. And that's why it's important for the believer, in order to stay encouraged, you need to stay in the Word. 
You cannot go through this life only on a Sunday sermon. We need to be, get to a place in our lives where we move past the Sunday sermon and go and do Bible study on ourselves so that this cloud of witnesses can keep on encouraging us. That's why God gave us His Word to help us, to guide us along the way. They are not witnessing on how we should conduct our lives. Instead, they are witnesses to us of faith and endurance in all that they have lived and experienced. They have the spirit of martyrs. Now, the, 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 the root of the ancient Greek word for, for translated to witness is actually martyrs. People who have died for the name and the sake of Jesus Christ. We are surrounded by testimonies. I read an illustration uh, uh, in my preparation which, which this guy talks about. He says, many, many marathoners and long-distance runners know what it means like to hit the wall. One minute they are running with sustained energy and speed, and the next they feel immense fatigue and have to stop and maybe even drop out of the race. Researchers have discovered that the brain starts to dip in dopamine at certain points in the race, and there is a literal dip in motivation, excitement, and the drive to continue to finish the race. In order to combat this dip, many athletes have implemented the spectator strategy, where they position friends and family members at specific mile markers to help encourage them and cheer them on. Instead of hearing, I can do it, or telling themselves, I can do it, in their head, they hear, you can do it, from their fans and people who love them and encourage them. They say, you can do it, they shout it. Hearing the cheers of encouragement counteracts the dopamine dip and, the lifts the at and lifts the athlete's spirits, pushing them forward with more vigor than before. See how the Bible plays the same role. The cloud of witnesses plays the same role. You've, ever, you've, 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 you've seen many times that when you go through certain periods which is not nice and then you open the Bible and, or you come to church and it's just the right sermon you needed to hear or it's just the right scripture that you read. God puts it at certain places. As exactly, he calls it, let's call it the spectator strategy that God has in our lives where he puts certain verses, put certain sermons at certain places in our lives so that when we need it, he brings it forth. So that we can say, thank you, God, because if it wasn't for you, I would have never made it this far. So the first reason to endure discouraging times is to remember that we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. If you need more testimonies, you can just go and read the Bible. It, it's still relevant today. Second reason. He talks about, the author says, he says, lay aside every weight that slows us down. So there's a, there's a difference, between weight, difference between weight and sin. He says, weight, lay aside the weight, and lay aside the sin. So we're going to look at these two individually, but let's look at the weights. Now, back in the day, um, athletes used to wear training weights to help them prepare for events. I think even today, athletes do that. They train with weight. No athlete would actually participate wearing the weights because 
they know that the weights would slow them down. Even today, many people, whether they are uh, marathon runners or whether they are uh, other sports people, they train with weight. It has become normal. Um, the, some athletes use their body weight, and once they have outgrown that, they go to a heavier weight to help them develop their physical ability, to teach their body endurance, to teach their body certain disciplines. Now, understand that no athlete gives up because the, the weight they are carrying are too heavy. The whole purpose of the weight is to make the athlete stronger. That is the purpose of the weight. It's to develop the physical body of the person training. That's why they use weights. But the benefit of training with weights is that if you endure training with those weights, you will soon outgrow them. You'll need to go heavier. You don't go lighter. Because your body is conditioned to the resistance that the weight causes. Now the author says, lay aside every weight that slows you down. What can these weights possibly be? It is everything that can hinder or that might hinder you from finishing or making progress in your race. It could be situations that you are still holding on to that happened years ago, but because it hurt you or it traumatized you so much, you are still holding on and it is weighing you down. It could be people that has a toxic influence on your life, but because you are too uh, shy or, or, or too scared to walk away, it might even be family members from those people that, that, is, that you, you keep them in your life and it's weighing you down and it is tiring you out. The, the author of Hebrews instructs us, he commands us, he says, lay aside the weight. The weights are only there to make you stronger. So in other words, most likely after a few years of carrying their weight, you need to graduate from their weight. You need to move on from their weight. You cannot keep on carrying this weight that is slowing you down and would cause you not to be able to finish your race. Are you with me? This race, this weight needs to be filled with that. There's things in our lives Whatever God is telling you that is weighing you down and we, it's only supposed to make you stronger. I always use this illustration when I say, what do you think is the purpose of the devil in your life? It's to grow your faith. <laughs> Remember when a boxer, a boxer is a sparring partner. And this sparring partner focuses on the weaknesses of the boxer so that whoever he is training, those weaknesses can turn into strengths. And so he hits him wherever he knows this guy is not remembering where to block or where to cover. And so he does that and he focuses on that until the one whom he's sparring against, the boxer is actually learning and he's written in his brain the neuropaths that when he hits this shot, this is how I block and this is how I counter it. Until he gets that, because then you'll be able to win the matches and the boxing matches that come in the future. The purpose of the sparring partner is to make the boxer strong. The purpose of the devil is to grow the faith of the believer. <laughs> ah, you can pray about it and ask God if I'm talking the truth. 
and then you hear what he says. And so that's why, that's why it's so important that, 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 that we have authority over it. Even the boxer over his sparring partner, when he says he had enough, it's enough. When we rebuke the devil, he listens. When we rebuke sickness and diseases, they listen. But it takes practice. A change of a lifestyle. We need to understand that there's weights laying us down, uh, keeping us, slowing us down. And we need to hold, leave them off, throw them off. Once we've strengthened, once it has strengthened us, it has served their purpose. It's time to move on. It's time to throw them down so that we can finish the race. The third reason to endure during discovering times is this. We also need to let go of the sin that ensnares us. Now, sin in general... Yep. Um, okay. Do you want to? There we go. Sin in general ensnares God's people. And um, now the, the author says we should get rid of the thing, the sin that so easily ensnares us. Now, we could talk about a lot of sin, about what it is. But I, I believe with all of my heart that the sin that ensnares the people of God the most is the sin of unbelief. Because when the devil attacks, he hits you on your unbelief. And then you'd even say, yeah, this happened because I didn't believe enough in God. It was unbelief that kept Israel out of the promised land. It was unbelief that hinders us from entering into our spiritual inheritance in Christ. Because we say, well, I don't deserve it. There already, you, you're right, you don't, so I can't walk into who I am in Christ. And so I don't, I, that's not for me, it's for other Christians. And so we go along with this unbelief and, and, and we get ensnared and ensnared. The, 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 the faith, the, the phrase by faith or through faith is used 21 times in Hebrews 11, indicating that it, 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 that it is faith in Christ that enables us to endure let us lay aside the, the, the words easily in snares translate a difficult ancient word which can be translated in four ways. It talks about easily avoided, admired, ensnaring, or dangerous. And so let us lay aside the sin of unbelief. Some, some sins can be easily avoided but are not because of our unbelief we fall into that sin. Some sins are admired and must be laid aside, but because of our sin of unbelief, we admire the sin and get involved in the sin. Some sins are ensnaring and thus specially harmful, and the only way to be trapped by it is through unbelief. Some sins are more dangerous than others, Ah, because of our unbelief, because we don't believe in God, because we don't believe what God can do, because we don't believe who God says He is and who He says I am, I fall into the trap of unbelief, 
time after time and sin ensnares me time after time. But we need to reach a place where he says, even if I don't feel like what God is saying is the truth, even if I don't see it, even if I don't feel it, what God says is what God says. And I will put my faith in God's word, never mind what my circumstances look like, never mind what my situation look like, never mind what I'm going through. If God says one, two, three, then I am one, two, and three. The sin of unbelief. Finally, reasons to endure discouraging time. The final one is, he says, he instructs us, he says, run the race with endurance. What is needed is endurance. To finish what we have begun in Jesus. The race that is set before us. Let us stand at the starting point and earnestly say and, and earnestly say to us, well, he stands at the starting point with us and earnestly says to us, not run, but let us run. Jesus is running with us this race. And while he is running with us, he's encouraging us during this race. God has said before each one of us a race. You must run it. And it will involve effort and commitment. You need to commit to finish this race. Being passive never runs or, or, or wins a race. God wants us to run the race so that we can finish it right. Endurance is needed for any race. And we need endurance. But the funny, the, not the funny thing, the beautiful thing about Christ is he says, okay, I'll put you in this race. You've accepted me as your Lord and Savior. And now I'm going to give you the strength and the grace to even finish this race. Far beyond how you could do it. Because in your own strength, you cannot. All you have to do is just believe in me and put your trust in me. And you'll be able to finish this race. In Acts chapter 20 verse 24, Paul pictures himself as a runner who had, to finish, who had a race to finish. And nothing would keep Paul from finishing the race with joy. In that passage, Paul spoke of, 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 of my race. He had his race to run. We have our own race to run. But God calls us to finish our race with joy. And it only happens when we have endurance. He calls all of us. I want to conclude... If ever your attention is so drawn away by your troublesome situation and you want to give up or you feel like giving up or you consider giving up, there's a song that always reminds me about God's faithfulness. It's an old hymn and I'm going to read to you a couple of lines. Many of you would know the song um, and we often sing it even in this time. But let me read to you the, the lines of the song. It goes, great is thy faithfulness, O God my Father. There is no shadow of turning with thee. Thou changest not, thy compassion they fail not. As thou hast been, thou forever will be. Great is thy faithfulness, great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. All I have needed, thy hand hath provided 
great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. Summer and winter and springtime and harvest. Soon sun, moon and stars in their courses above. Join with all nature in manifold witness to thy gratefulness, mercy and love. The author of the song, the, the, the way the song came, this hymn came, the author of this hymn had lost his daughters on a shipwreck on a shipwreck on their way to go and do work for the Lord so they were on a mission to go and help other missionaries in other countries and at that time they traveled by ship and he lost his daughters and his wife survived um, and the story goes that that as he was coming closer to the site of where another ship crashed into the ship that his daughters was on um, he was viewing it and and automatically the the song came from his heart as he was crying and tearing at the loss of his children he automatically started to sing great is thy faithfulness and that is how he gave birth to this hymn looking at the shipwreck looking at the mess looking at the situation he couldn't save it himself his daughters has been long dead and there he gave birth to the song great is thy faithfulness may God give you a song in your troubled times may the song be about his faithfulness in your life even though you are in a situation where you cannot change it in your own strength you've been in that situation for years but may the song great is thy faithfulness carry you through this time of difficulty my final word is this not only is jesus the reason for the season but next week we will see why he is the reason we can endure during hard times let's pray together father in the name of jesus bring all your children before your throne who's going through a time of trouble a time of discomfort as the rest of the world is celebrating Christmas they they're in their closet with their struggles with difficulties with whatever their needs may be father I pray that through your Holy Spirit that they will be able to sing out loud how faithful you are and how faithful you have been regardless of what we have lost and regardless of what we are going to lose in the future but may this become the song of your church that you are a faithful God summers and winters you are faithful autumn and spring you are faithful no matter where we are going and what we are facing, you are faithful, Lord. And we pray against the sin of unbelief, Lord, that we may be a people that believe in your faithfulness. Come through your Holy Spirit and strengthen your people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen.